finished book four, and after every book, we've gone into a New Testament book. So we had just finished book four, we went into 2 Corinthians, and after book three, we went into Romans. And so um, we finished 2 Corinthians a couple weeks ago. Thank you for putting up with Billy last week. Rebecca found some tickets to Portugal, and we went to Portugal for our anniversary. Uh, thank you. The boys aren't here, but thank you for all the boys stepping in and leading us in worship. And um, so we're going to get back into the Psalms. So we're gonna, what we're doing is Psalm 107. We're going to stop at Psalm 118 because Psalm 119 alone is going to take a little while. My thought then is we'll go back into the membership course, finish up the three or four studies that I have left there, and then we will um, flip back to Psalm 119, and then we'll probably go into the book of Hebrews for a while. And so that's, that's the plan. I feel that's what the Lord's leading us. We'll see uh, if it is God's will. So that's what we're doing. Uh, so why don't we stand? Let's read our passage before us this morning. I'm not going to do all of Psalm 107 this morning. I'm going to do the first 32 verses, and then next week we'll look at the last 10 verses. And so um, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 32 this morning of Psalm 107. And I'm not even there. So give me two seconds here. So Psalm 107, beginning at verse 1, we read, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of of the adversary, and gathered from the lands, from the east, and from the west, and from the north, and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness, in the, in, in the desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them, and out of their distresses, he led them also by a straight way to go to an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul, and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. There were those who dwelt in the darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains, because they had rebelled against the words of of, of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he humbled their heart with labor, they stumbled and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has shattered gates of bronze and cut bars of iron asunder. Fools, because of their rebellious way and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all kinds of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he spoke and raised up a stormy wind. 
which lifted up the waves of the sea. They rose up to the heavens. They went down to the depths. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and they staggered like a drunken man and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distresses. He caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet. So he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them extol him also in the congregation of the people and praise him at the seat of the elders. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this psalm, Lord God. And Lord, as we now sit and we dive into your word, Lord, we ask that you would Grant us the graces to behold wonderful truths from your word. That you would renew our minds, that you would transform our hearts. So Lord, we thank you for your word. May we cherish your word. May we be students. May we devour your word. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a little background on our our study this morning, on our psalm this morning. Our psalm is a praise song of the regathered people of Israel after their their Babylonian uh, captivity. So kind of to put it in a historical setting. Now, I know it's been, again, it's been over a year since we've, we've looked at the psalms, but Psalm 105, Psalm 106, and, and our psalm this morning form a trilogy. Don't know why they didn't keep Psalm 107 in the fourth book of the psalms. It just isn't the way it happened. But they form a trilogy. Now, let me, give, let me tell you why. Psalm 105 recounts Israel's experience from the time of God's covenant with Abraham to the people's entrance into the promised land. Psalm 106, then, tracks their unfaithfulness during that same period of time and reflects the years of their exile in Babylon. Our psalm this morning thanks God for their deliverance from that exile. So to make it a little bit easier, I put it down on those notes. Psalm 105 is the promise. Psalm 106 is the punishment. And our psalm this morning, Psalm 107, is the rescue. And that's kind of the big idea this morning. That's what we're going to be focusing on, the rescue. Because, guys, we've all, if you're a Christian, you've been rescued by the grace of God. So our psalm this morning can be applied to us today. Uh, since the examples that our psalm gives of the dangers, of the, of the threats, of the risk from which believers are delivered are at once, they're common they're, they're varied, guys, and they're very suggestive. We, we see in our psalm this morning pictures of human predic- uh, predicaments, and we see God intervening. It, it, we, our psalm is a mixture of, of fact and illustration. It's a picture of s- scenes from life, yet it's intended to represent Israel's, again, historical, real-life experiences. So we pick up in verse 1 this morning, and we read in the very first section here from 1 to 3, you should have little breakdowns on your, in your Bibles. 
Praise the Lord. I'm in the wrong Psalm 106. So I'm going to flip over to Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. That makes a lot more sense. For he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. And gathered from the lands from the east and from the west. And from the north and from the south. You know, Spurgeon wrote of our psalm that the theme of our psalm is thanksgiving and the motives for it. That's, that's well put. Thanksgiving, our psalm, the theme of our psalm this morning is thanksgiving and the motives for thanksgiving. Guys, these verses are about us here this morning. I mean, just think about it. This word redeemed, this word redeemed is an absolutely beautiful word. If you like to mark your Bibles, highlights, underline, this is a word that you should highlight. Th- this word points us to the ancient custom of the kinsman redeemer back in ancient Israel. Uh, the book of Ruth would be a great picture of that to go back and read. It's, it's a beautiful word, this word redeemed. It, it points us again to the custom which obligated a kinsman to step in to rescue a close relative from debt or even from slavery in ancient Israel. Guys, this is exactly what God has done for us. You you, you can't be blind to this. By grace, if you are a Christian, you have been redeemed. By this, I mean we are the ones who have been, as the psalm says here this morning, we're the ones that have been delivered from sin. We have been bought with a price. And we have been rescued from our aimless, secular wanderings. And we've been brought into God's kingdom. Our, our minds and our hearts are being renewed. They are being transformed. And by the grace of God, I pray that we are living more and more with an eternal perspective. I mean, look around, guys, the room. I mean, a lot of us are on holidays, working But the group gathered here this morning, we are gathered from around the lands, as our psalm says. We are gathered from the north and from the south and from the west and from the the east. I mean, Christian, give thanks to the Lord because he is good. He is good. And his loving kindness, his his one-way, unconditional love is everlasting He's not going to give up on you. He's not going to stop loving you because of your unfaithfulness. He chose you. His loving kindness is everlasting. See, this is the difference, according to Romans chapter 1, this is the difference between the believer and the non-believer. The world neither glorifies God, Paul tells us, nor gives him thanks. So we move on here in in verse 4, and we read, we're in Psalm 107, latecomers. Verse 4, we read, remember me, I'm doing 106 every time, I have to flip over here, so sorry, they wandered, they wandered in the wilderness, in the desert region, they did not find a way 
to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them also by a straight way to go to an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. Guys, God is constantly showing his grace and his mercies in our life. That is a give me. That is a constant in our lives. He is constantly delivering us from some mess we've got ourselves into or from some danger. The rest of our verses are either images of the Babylonian captivity or a literal description of the conditions from which the Jews of that time were rescued. Again, that theme, rescued. But again, they are, as, they are great examples of our own spiritual condition apart from Jesus. I mean, look at what the psalmist describes here, guys. Apart from our Lord, there's lostness. I know that's not a real word, but I'm going to use it. Lostness. There's hunger. There's thirst. There's exhaustion. They're, they're all figures, which, by the way, our Lord uses in relation to his self-offer as the way, as the bread of life, as the water of life, as the giver of rest. In verse 7 here we read, he led them also by a straight way. Literally in the Hebrew the word is a, the right way, the right way. Again, we see the doctrine of two ways. We talk about that every once in a while. But only one is the right way. Again, all roads, all roads lead to heaven. But there is only one road, and that is through the cross, guys, where we stand forgiven and we are we are clothed in Christ's righteousness before God. As Spurgeon puts it, And into this, talking about the way, the right way, and into this, none can lead us but God himself. I mean, again, if we, as a Christian, if you are on that path, if you are on the right way, I mean, again, he gives us, we can do nothing but rejoice and thank God for that. Guys, these verses here are, in in verses 4 through 9, are just filled with hopelessness. I mean, look at this, wandering in the wilderness, wandering in the desert, lost, not being able to find a way, hungry, thirsty, discouraged, frustrated. I mean, eyes, and, 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 and who can blame, blame someone when they go through, a tra- go through a test or a trial in their life? Eyes on the here and now. When you're going through a test, when you're going through a trial, that's all you can think about is what's going on at that very minute. There's a very inward perspective And then the psalmist says here, their soul fainted within them. Has your soul ever fainted within you? I mean, I'm telling you, mine has. I know exactly what the psalmist means here. I don't like giving examples from my life, but again, maybe this illustration. I mean, from the outside world, I was thinking about it as I was just pondering on on these words. 
about just your soul fainting within you. And I just thought about from the outside world, when Rebecca and I were younger, when we first met, when we first got married, I mean, it really seemed like the two of us had everything anybody ever wanted. We were young. We owned a couple businesses. Our businesses were doing great. We owned a home at a, I mean, within just a few weeks of us getting engaged. I mean, you looked at Rebecca. She had very nice jewelry. She had nice clothes. I drove a lovely sports car. Uh, we were always going out. I don't think we ever ate dinner home. I don't think we ever ate dinner at home, and we were always going somewhere on the weekends. But guys, it was all a facade. It was all a facade. I, I'm telling you, I was so hungry and so thirsty, as the psalmist describes here. And I, and nothing, nothing that I did could quench this hunger and thirst. I was, I was chasing, I was doing all the things the world said I should do. I was chasing what the world said was important. I was building my portfolio. Pretty impressive for a young guy in his 20s. But my soul, my soul was fainting. It was fainting. And then these idols in my life, by the grace of God, started to crumble one by one. God brought a recession into California and my businesses <laughs> they fell apart. Rebecca lost her job. We lost 65% of our, our income. And then two very lost people almost lost each other. It was, but God, but God. And we celebrated our 29th anniversary on, on, on Monday, last Monday. We read here, then they cried out to the Lord and they were delivered. There, there's that word again. They were rescued. That's exactly, by the grace of God, what we did. And though your history, guys, though your history may be very different than ours, at some point in your life, the Holy Spirit breathed life into your dead spirit, and he granted you the faith to cry out to God. And for this we read here in verses 8 and 9, like the psalmist, let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. And all I can say to that is amen. I know that we're not the only witnesses to this, guys. We are all, we are all, guys, just wandering in a desert, hungry and thirsty without God. We spend our lives, we spend our lives chasing after things that we think will satisfy our hunger and our thirst. Even now, even as a Christian now, that's possible. You have to beware, you have to be on guard. But guys, never will these things, never, <laughs> they never ever will satisfy. See, because we were created to be in fellowship with God. That is the way God created us. This void that we have, that everyone, the day they are born, there's this void in our lives, can't be filled by, by a boy or a girl. It, it can't be filled by money or cars or clothes. Whatever the goal is in your life, that will not fill that void. You will always be wanting. You will always be wanting. It's the three Ps that we talk about every once in a while. Possessions isn't going to fill that void. Your passions isn't going to fill that void. Positions isn't going to fill that void. 
It's as Augustine says, Thou has made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. That's as a non-believer until you come to Christ, but even as a Christian, we could be still chasing after things. If anything but Christ is your all, you're going to be wanting. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And again, he says, and you will, you will, you will find rest for your souls. I promise you that's true. My question to you this morning, Christian, is are you resting in Christ? Are you rejoicing in Christ? So again, Verses 8 and 9. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. And again, there's a hearty amen to that. And then the psalmist goes on. There were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death. Prisoners in misery and chains because they rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he humbled their heart with labor. They stumbled and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death. And he broke their bands apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has shattered gates of bronze and cut bars of iron asunder. Again, a great picture of us outside of Christ, guys. We dwelt in darkness. And we're to face not one, but two deaths, guys. Our physical death and eternal separation from God. Uh, We were prisoners to our sin, guys, in misery and bondage. That's the words used here. Look at these great descriptive words that the psalmist uses. He uses the words gates and chains and bars. I mean, just great picture words to just describe our bondage. You know, one of my favorite songs that we sing, and I was going to ask Rebecca to play it, and then I went to look at the song list, this, and then she was singing it. One of my favorite songs we sing is, And Can It Be? I absolutely love that song. And I hope that when we sing that song, and I hope when we sing any song, Guys, you're thinking about the words that you're singing. I mean, these songs are prayed about and they're chosen very carefully. In that song we sang this morning, we sang these words. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. I could, that was my life. I remember that moment. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amen. That's grace. That's the picture here in this section of the psalm. I mean, verse 11 gives us a great picture of the age that we live in, guys. Rebellion against God's words, or the words of God. And spurning the counsel of the Most High. 
Because the world in which we live is moving away from God at such an incredible speed. And because of this, there's, there's now a need to, to redefine everything. We're redefining truth. We're redefining life. As we saw over the weekend, we're redefining marriage. We were, we're redefining gender. Yet God is sovereign over all this. God is sovereign over all this, guys. And in his grace, many will see the foolishness and they'll turn to God. And they, along with we, with them, guys, will give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness as they receive sight and they receive life and they're set free from the bondage of sin. The psalmist goes on in verse 17. And he says, fools, fools, because of their rebellious way and because of their iniquities were afflicted, their soul abhorred all kinds of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. fools. That's a great description of how God sees those who are waving their puny fist at him in a figurative way. The fool says in his heart that there is no God. And when we use that word fool or, or foolishness, guys, that's an ethical, spiritual category that we're looking at, guys. It's, it's not an academic one. There's a lot of brilliant people who believe that there's no God. Verse 20 here, I think is a mighty passage or a mighty verse. He sent his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. That's the grace of God. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. <coughs> Romans 5.10 says, For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And that great exchange passage in 2 Corinthians 5.21 is 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him that's the gospel that's the great news that god has not only sent his word but he's given us his word in order to deliver us from destruction guys and that's the bad news for there to be good news there has to be bad news our condition apart from jesus is far worse than what we can ever imagine we are actually dead as far as any ability to respond or come to God on our own. It is God and God alone who resurrects our dead spirits. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, we are born again. We are born again through the living and enduring word of God. Verse 21 again says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness 
and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. His loving kindness, guys, his loving kindness, again, is God's one way, unconditional, steadfast, never changing love for those who are his in Christ. Let us give God thanks. That's all we bring here this morning, guys. That's all you can bring is your sin and your thanks. This is worship. Not only here when we meet on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. And then we read in our closing verses, verse 23. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. He spoke and raised up, the stor- raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They rose up to the heavens, and they went down to the depths. I read this, and I get seasick. I get seasick very easily. So he, They rose up to the heavens, and they went down to the depths. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man. I've done that too on a ship, but not drunk, just seasick. Um, and they were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distresses. He caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet, so he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them extol him also in the congregation of the people and praise him at the seat of the elders. So let me apply this in a, in, a, in a different way. Guys, the trials and the tribulations of life, the, the trials and the tests that bring us to our wit's end. Maybe it's exams. Maybe it's financial problems. Maybe it's work problems. Maybe it's marriage problems. Maybe it's problems with the kids. I mean... Tie that in with verse 24. Verse 24 says, and his wonders in the deep. Some of us, guys, some of us in this fellowship have gone or are going through or will be going through some very deep things. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. For others, it's depression. And you see the wonders of God's grace, the works of the Lord as others don't you understand in a deeper way that God's grace is sufficient. I, I don't like the battles I go through. I don't like the deep things. But I've truly learned going through them that God's grace is sufficient. And we cried out to the Lord and we were delivered from our distresses and the storms have been stilled. You go through it, you're in the midst of that storm and God just answers that prayer and the storms have been stilled, the waves pounding you have been hushed. Y- you can't but think of our Lord here in verse 29. Guys, God is sovereign over all and everything that is going on in our lives and everything that is going on around us. Let us give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness. Let us extol and praise him here this morning when we gather when we gather as a church during the week, uh, in our home, and in our communities. Guys, there is nothing more becoming as a, 
as a public acknowledgement of God's unmerited favors and his immeasurable goodness to us. So as we close, I just want to touch on this one line that we read here. So he guided them to their desired haven. You know, I've said this to you so often, that we as Christians are to live with eternity in view. We're to live with eternity in view. Heaven is our home. Heaven is our desired haven. Not here, not earth, guys. Here we're just pilgrims. I mean, even we who are Irish, even if you're a true Irish-born person, or you're now an Irish citizen, we're still all non-nationals. Hebrews 11 tells us that the saints of old, guys, the saints that have gone before us, all died in faith. Listen with what the writer says, the Holy Spirit says, having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on earth. That they desired a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. See, that's our, this is our hope, guys. This is our goal. Let me tell you, heaven is not. Heaven is not a state of mind, as the Christian science says. Heaven is not a return to the spirit world, as the Gnostic would say. Heaven is not reincarnation. Heaven, heaven is not paradise and, and, and self-indulgence. Heaven is eternal rest. Heaven is eternal fellowship with God, the way God intended things to be. This is our desired haven. Heaven itself, guys. Again, in verses 31 and 32, we, re- we read, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the son, sons of men. Let them extol him also in the congregation of the people and praise him at the seat of the elders. Guys, my prayer for us is that you will be content and satisfied with the Lord because he is good. He is the only one that is able to satisfy and that you learn to rest and rejoice in the Lord. Amen? Amen.